welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active to participants in your daughters' lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. I love being able to spend some time with you each and every week. With us being able to sit down, talk about fatherhood, talk about raising daughters, finding ways to be able to be not only better engaged, but really to be better fathers. And that's why I come back every week. And I know that's why you come back every week. Because each of us are going through fatherhood in our own way. And the biggest thing here that I always try to hit home with each and every one of you is that you don't have to do this alone. So often in our world today, there's cultural aspects of our life that sometimes tell men that they have to be strong and they have to not be vulnerable. And I'm seeing more and more dads that are shedding that. They're shedding that and they're being willing to be not only vulnerable with their kids, but really vulnerable with other men. And I think that that's really important as well. So it's important every week when I have an opportunity to bring bring on great guests to be able to share with you. The reason I'm doing that is because I want to be able to have an opportunity for you to meet them, but also for you to learn from them. And I hope that every week you come to these conversations open to learn. I know I do. And I've said this before, I've got teenagers, I've got almost adults, you know, I'm at a point in my life where, again, I'm going through a period of change where my kids are getting ready, or at least one of my children is getting ready to grow. She's grown up, getting grown up. She's flying out of the nest. She's going on from here. And that's going to make my journey in fatherhood different, but every one of you is in a different place. So I can learn from others. You can learn from others. And that's why every week I bring other guests here. This week, we've got another great guest with us. Jay Twining is with us. And Jay is a father of two. He's got a, a almost 11-year-old and a six-month-old, both daughters. So we're going to talk to him about that journey that he has been on, but also talk about some of the things that he is doing to be able to engage with other dads and be able to kind of learn from his own experiences. Jay, thanks so much for being here today. I am so delighted. I loved earlier on you talked about we're all in our unique experience, but even more importantly, what I really loved was your point about we not we don't have to go it alone. That is something that I drive home. It is something that whenever I see any father on social media commenting about being a father, having a kid, anything on in that world, congratulating them, welcoming them to the brotherhood, and it is so nice to be in the company of other people on that same path and journey. Thank you for having me. I love what you said there. And I want to be able to learn a little bit more about you and about your own journey in fatherhood. So one of the things I love doing is turning the clock back in time. So I want to go back quite a few years now. And I want to go back to that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? I was so excited. It was uh, kind of one of those moments, uh, if we're getting just a little bit, a little bit open here, was we were doing the thing and then she turned to me and she was like, Oh, I think, I think I'm going to be pregnant. And so uh, a couple of weeks go by, everything happens. And she says, yep, we did the thing and now we're pregnant. And I was just so excited. I didn't even realize it, but what came to the surface for me was that I just had this realization. I was like, Oh, this is something that I have actually wanted for most of my life. 
And so being able to jump in, support, figure out a lot along the way was something that I was just so excited by. There was the normal reservations and concerns about me doing it wrong or right. But I think that because of where I was at that point, I would say that a lot of my life I had been just either deeply curious or a go-getter. I used to do roped courses. So I would just learn to just jump and be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. And so I would just, anything I didn't figure out, I just kind of attacked it with voracious interest and just tried to do as much research as I could to figure out how I wanted to proceed in that space. So talk to me about that voracious interest and that curiosity that you had and how you jumped right in when it came to being a father, a father of a daughter. Talk to me about how you did that and how that played out for yourself in the early years. But as your daughter started getting older, getting into school and to where she's at today. So I remember distinctly thinking, oh, geez, it's a daughter and not really knowing what that was like. And and I think I, I was in a place where I was a young boy, so I had an idea of what it was like being a son. And so the translation of that to what it would be like to raise a daughter, I didn't have a direct line. And so, well, what I did was I just asked all my buddies. I, I really kind of went into my work environment, went into my best friend that actually had a daughter a couple years ago. And so I had kind of a packaged gift, I would say. There was a community right around me of other young fathers, both from my work environment and in my regular personal life, that I could just say, okay, here's a question I have. And I would, in, in one world, I would say, who could I ask that could give me some information about this? Or who could I ask that had been through something similar? And I very firmly believe if you ask for nothing, you get nothing. And so I just asked questions. At that time in the world, the internet wasn't quite what it is today. Books weren't quite as published as they are today. And so the resources were much more who my community was. And I remember asking my buddies, asking my folks at works and asking my parents about it. And that's kind of engaging in that regular conversation was how I kind of built my identity and built my habits and routines of fatherhood. So you talked about community, and I think community is really an important thing, especially for men. I think that a lot of times from the men that I've talked to, as you get into adulthood, sometimes it's hard to not only build relationships, but maintain those relationships because of being a dad, being a spouse, being whatever. It pulls you away from that and being able to build the new connections isn't always the easiest thing to do. What did you have to do to be able to build those relationships with other men, maintain those relationships that would help you to learn from them and grow from them to help you be a better father? I love this because I think it's something that we don't talk enough about as society or as men in general. One of the aspects that every human being has is we have this ability to look at a thing, look at something that we want, look at something that we want in our life, and then move towards it. And so to answer kind of all of those questions in one, I identified that I wanted community. I wanted to be surrounded. I wanted relationships with other fathers. And I never let myself get in the way of that goal. I set that up for me and my family and my life as a value, as a principle, as something that I knew was going to exist as a foundation. And I simply built on top of that foundation. 
And a lot of the decisions that I would make were around who I was going to hang out with, what kind of conversations I was going to have, what kind of content I was going to consume, what videos, what websites, what books. And what that ended up creating is that we have this other neat thing where the more we learn about a thing and the more that we're focused on a thing, I know it's kind of abstract, but I think of it as a quarter. The more you know of a quarter, the more you memorize how the quarter feels in your hand, the ridges of the quarter, the feel of it, the texture, the weight, the more you'll see quarters in the world because you're training your brain to look for that thing. And so by me deciding that a community of other fathers and of other parents is what I wanted in my life, I just created it. I just went out there and asked people questions and pursue relationships. When I combined that effort, so that consistent routine and habit and effort of doing that with something else that's critically important that we need to understand when we're building community is that not everybody's for us and that's completely okay. So I, what I adopted here was the yoga, the Indian principle of 100% commitment with zero expectations of results. And so by me being comfortable being me and knowing what I wanted, what it ended up doing was attracting people into my life that also wanted the same thing. And when they weren't a fit or when we weren't on the same journey or when they didn't want what I wanted, we can say chummy, we can be acquaintances, but it just meant that the, the level of vulnerability or the discussion points or the depth of the relationship would be a little bit more surface than deep. And so I think that that if when we take that juxtaposition of wanting and pursuing what we want in life, and we combine that with acceptance, just acceptance of whatever result is created, that I think is the key element that not only I think that more people in the world need to know, but I think as, as we're in this great change where more men are becoming fathers, where more men are loving this identity of fatherhood. I'll add some interesting statistics here. In 1996, a Pew Research study, about 10% of fathers were stay at home. Today, um, 2016, uh, 17%. So we're almost at one in five stay at home parents or fathers, which is a huge increase. But I think the most notable piece of this, especially when we're approaching this community, is that of the fathers surveyed, almost half or or they are as likely. So the father is as likely to have fatherhood as a huge part of his identity, and then as likely to enjoy fatherhood, finding that role fulfilling. And so we're really in this new world where as men, we have this really gradually more and more accepting role that we're just really loving and enjoying and finding a lot of fulfillment in. And I think it's important that we pursue other men and that we encourage other men to also explore how they feel about that. Not push out and not say, hey, you have to be this way or hey, you have to enjoy this, but say, hey, there's a super fulfilling thing on the other side of that fence. There's a door right here. I'll walk with you through that door and we can just have a conversation about it. So that's how I built the community and that's how I think about it. So one of the things that I think that I would be interested in your perspectives on is you know, you talked about that men need to open that door and they have to talk about what they're going through, talk about this with other men, talk about this with other things. And not every man is good at that. Not every man is good at opening up, being vulnerable, as I mentioned at the very beginning. What do you say to the men around you, to the guys that you talk to, as you're talking to them about fatherhood, as you're talking to them about 
as you said, opening that door. What do you say to them about how you had to do it yourself and how they can do it to start to, I'm going to use vulnerable, to be more vulnerable, even though that sometimes can be a triggering word. But how have you encouraged other men to follow that example? There's really two core ways I think that we can approach it. And the first is we naturally want to follow others by example. And so I have a lot of men, a lot of fathers in my life. They're like, I don't want you to give me advice and I don't want to be told what to do. And so we react very strongly that we want this sense of freedom, the sense of agency and ownership. And I think in, in, in dealing with people, if we are that person, or if we're meeting somebody that is that person, that in that world, it's simply maintaining that openness and that conversation. And again, going back to that principle of being committed and pursuit with no expectations of results, but really what that means in the context of opening the door and and helping other men see fatherhood as this great thing, or even vulnerability as this other great thing, it's really about creating space. And so the way that we're looking at it, it would be like you're handing somebody a paintbrush with a bunch of, with a paint palette but you don't put a canvas in front of them. And so you can hand somebody a paintbrush and hand somebody a palette and you can tell them you should love being a father. You should love doing this stuff. You should, you should, you should, you should, you should, you could, you could, you could, you would, you would, you would, you'll feel right. If we, if we follow that, that's, that's what giving them the paintbrush and giving them the palette looks like. If we give them a palette, we don't even have to give them tools to draw or create on it. And the, palette as possibility or as open space, it's really the idea of not judging. We're all at different stages of this journey. The way that to look at it is what's wonderful is that when you're around other other fathers that love talking about fatherhood is that in general, there's not really this sense of judgment. You can just kind of be who you are. So part of you as an individual, what you've got to figure out is, can I be myself and fit in here? That's what you have to do as an individual. That's part of your responsibility. You get ownership of that. You can make those choices. That's the second piece. And so if we honor ourselves, and I think this is going to be the succinct way to answer this one. How do we open that door? If we honor ourselves in our own space to be who we are, by the fact that we're doing that, we're showing and leading the way and we're creating and allowing that space to be there for other men to pursue in in addition. Some techniques, maybe some mechanics that might get in the way of that, I remember once I was working with a gentleman and he kept describing his spouse as a ball and chain. And I remember thinking, you know what? I don't want to be around that energy. My partner, my wife, she's not a drag on my life. She's somebody who I've invited in. She's invited me into hers. It's been mutual. We love each other. We're supportive. We're on this great adventure together. We're doing and building and solving and adventuring. And it's wonderful. I don't see this person, even when we're, you know, grinding and fighting and all that kind of jazz, like it's just part of figuring it out together. And I knew that I didn't want that energy. So that's, I think as a, as a roundabout way, how do we show the door? We show the door first by being, by being the example, because none of us want to be told what to do. And so if we can just be who we are, ask open-ended questions, checking in, and then accepting the result. That's how we open the door. That's how we put a canvas in front of somebody instead of giving them a paintbrush. I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that that's great advice and 
and definitely something I think that all of us have to really let sink in because I think that for each of us, every one of us is going to take that in in a little bit different way. Now, I wanted to delve a little bit again back into you as a dad, because I said at the beginning, you've got an 11 and a six-month-old, both of which are very different ages, both of which are needing very different sides of dad. So talk to me about that balance for you and talk to me about how you balance not only what you're doing in your professional life and the work that you do outside of being dad, but also the balance of being there for a six-month-old and an 11-year-old and how you are able to balance that for both children at very different ages. Oh, this is, it's so funny because I'm so fresh being six months. And so thanks for creating the space. And if I get something wrong or if I trigger somebody, I apologize. But for the eldest, what I was really focused on was this sense of curiosity. And it's as I'm talking through and thinking about, it, I'm kind of like, oh, this really feels like how I would en- engage other men in this role of fatherhood, creating that space and that canvas. I really wanted to figure out who she was. I really wanted to instill in her the things that are important to me, which is responsibility, taking ownership of my actions and what's going on, being responsible for my community and the people that are around me as well, and standing up for things that are right. So a deep sense of justice. Those are kind of like higher level principles. We have a saying in this house, which is if you make a mess, clean it up. And so that kind of instills a general thing. It's kind of the the twining value, if, if you say, if you were to say that. Really, how I want to approach her outside of what the family represents was I wanted to make space again and figure out and see what decisions she's made. What does that look like in concrete? It means exposure. And so, by exposure, that means different activities, different TV shows, different extracurricular things, different vacations, different, different, just different things, different sports, different physical activities, art classes, music classes, seeing what she enjoys and reinforcing that. So when you're raising a kid, I think it's safe to talk about this here. When you're raising a kid and you're trying to teach them humor, if they make a joke and they're corrected constantly, or it's more negative, like, oh, that's not funny, constantly, 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 they're never really going to quite learn what humor is because humor is a possibility space. What they're going to learn is only what's not funny. However, if we turn that on its head and we really laugh hard and we really engage hard and we're really present to the moment. And then she or he as son or daughter make a great joke. And we say that was really funny and we're laughing and we're enjoying the experience. We're going to get more of that. So when I combine that idea of deep curiosity for my eldest daughter with what she's doing and how she's expressing herself and then reinforcing those choices, I get to be in the presence of this great strong-willed, very strong identity person, young person who's figuring out who she is, but has the confidence. She's stood up to bullies at school. She's made sure her friends are taken care of. She has a deep sense of like overall empathy for the people that are around her. She checks in with me and mom that we're doing okay because we've created this space where she can be who she is. Some people would call that authenticity, but I think, and that is, she's very authentic to that. But I think as the father, what I cultivated in myself was that deep curiosity. And that's something that I try to extend to everybody. And so I've had 10 years, 10 or 11 years to kind of flush that in the first one. I hope I can do as well in the second. On the second one, the energy is very different. I think we all remember that when they're that young, 
there's so much dependence and there's a lot of cuddling and it's more of a physical and, and much more of a physical and emotional because there's not really any intellectual engagement. There's not really any conversation that's happening. So that becomes figuring out when does she sleep or when does she cuddle in or noticing how she's kind of resting on my body if we're sitting together or feeding her. She's on to I don't even want to say solid foods, <laughs> like onto those, like the toddler foods that like the carrots and the mangoes, like we just started that kind of work now, noticing which ones that she likes, what does she enjoy, working through the tantrums as she's teething, working through the screeches as she wants to be held and trying to listen to the tone of voice, the expression on her face, what's happening in the house. What I love about what she's teaching me again that I learned the first time around that I've forgotten from 10 years ago was how responsive my younger is to the emotional state of the house. What I would really paying attention to was how responsive she was on that physical and emotional level. And so I started to look at what was my state? What was I physically doing? What was my emotion? What was my eldest daughter's? What was my wife's? What was her state? And so what kind of engaged this conversation of, are we having the house that we want, this house of joy, this house of love, this house of adventure? Are we building that? Are we fostering that? Because our youngest is is relying on us to show her what life is like. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that with that age difference, you definitely have to do that. Now, I'm sure that there have been some periods of time where there might have been some dissonance there and dissonance in the sense of what your oldest daughter is feeling and probably seeing in regards to what you have to put into a six-month-old versus what you have to put into an 11-year-old. How do you deal with that in trying to emotionally be there for your 11-year-old that may start feeling like dad's time is being taken away from the six-month-old? I think the one thing that I would say that most of us have this experience is that we definitely don't realize the amount of time and effort it takes with an infant. I remember during that time doing a lot of conversation. I mean, the standard one would be like, hey, we still love you. But I think it really unlocked for my eldest. We had a conversation about love for different people in the house. And so we were really good about boundaries and saying, my love for my wife is very different than my love for you. And my love for my youngest is very different than my love for you. And my love for our dog is different than my love for you. I think what I said was something like, it doesn't mean that that love is any more or less intense. That wasn't the word. I'm struggling a bit to describe it, but it doesn't mean that the love has changed. What's happening now is that we've introduced a new dynamic. And right now, mommy and daddy are staying up late a lot. Our sleep is a bit disrupted. And just for this next little bit, we're still here with you. We're still spending time with you. We're going to make sure that we're having this great balance. But mommy and daddy are a bit tired right now. And our focus might be distracted because we're trying to figure out how to keep another human being alive. And so we brought a little bit of humor into that in the end. And I think that once she understood that it's just kind of a new dynamic, we built what you would call a new normal for the house where there was young baby time, eldest daughter time, parent time, bedtime, wine town, dinner time, other kind of time slots for the evening and, and during the day on the weekends. And so the framing of what was happening 
And I think this is hearkening back to something that we talked about earlier, being vulnerable and open about who I was, where I was, and then engaging and enrolling my eldest in that intellectual and emotional conversation of saying, Hey, I love you right now. There's this other, there's these two other people I have to really focus on eldest daughter and my wife. She needs just as much support for me as the eldest daughter. And it has no meaning right now. It's temporary, but it, it does mean we're asking a different kind of question. I really think that that opening up to my eldest and just saying, just right now, just for this first couple of months, I, just for this time frame, this is what's happening. We're going to get back and we're going to build a new normal. That really helped her understand and build a really great identity as the eldest sister, as the older sister, the eldest daughter, and her role in the house. And that really harkens back to a lesson that we had where engaging her in a role and giving her age-appropriate things to do, chores, identity, conversations, responsibility, it gave an opportunity for her to step up to the plate and to take something in agency that she owned that was hers. And this was another one of those moments for her. Now, I know that you've been having conversations in a podcast that you're doing that is called Feel Good Fatherhood. And it's a podcast, but video cast, and you're talking to a lot of different people about fatherhood, real unfiltered conversations for fathers about parenting, relationship, and building their families. That's what you say on your YouTube page. So talk to me about what made you decide that you wanted to go down this road to create the Feel Good Fatherhood show. I was able to ask questions of some other support groups in a local work group. What also happened was right at that moment, we moved from the U.S. Northeast to the Pacific Southwest. So we moved about as far away in physical proximity as we could be from our family and support group. And during those first two years with our eldest, it really was my wife and me. And that was it. We didn't really have a support network around us. And so that's why I mentioned the work folks. And what I found was just deep loneliness and deep lack of support. And I remember thinking at that time, just, I, I don't really want any other father to feel this way. It really was very hard to make some decisions. I didn't always have somebody immediately right then and there to bounce an idea off of or enroll in what was going on or just ask a question of. And so Feel Good Fatherhood, what I really wanted it to be and what I really endeavor to be is a place where you can go and listen to two fathers or a person that supports fathers talk about their experience, not in an advicey way, but in just a, here's how I run my household. Here's what I value. And here's the result that I'm seeing from these values and how we run the house. And I know I use the run the house word, so please just accept that in the most inclusive way as possible. But what I wanted to activate was this time on a tradition that we have where we used to always have the uncle, the father, the grandfather, the local community within a hundred meters. And a lot of modern life has put technological element between us and that relationship that we could have that face-to-face. And while even though the podcast and the video cast is another piece of technology, I really do firmly believe in leading from the front, from the front. And what I want to show is that, 
oh, if I meet another father that has something cool to say or that I think is very interesting, I can engage them in conversation. And I want to model for other fathers that maybe don't have the experience that I have in coaching or speaking or asking questions or being curious or sales or whatever it happens to be. For my professional experience, model in some way some questions you can ask that create a really good answer or maybe a not so great answer, but at least starts a conversation and show that, hey, there's guys out there that want to talk about these things. And if we can, as a community of fathers, as a community of individuals, show more and more that we actually want to have the conversation, I really do believe we can change the world. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. In one word, what is fatherhood? Love is the word that's coming to mind. Now, when was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? When my daughter came to me and I realized that she wanted to just hang out with me. So I wasn't pursuing her, but she was pursuing me. That's always a good feeling. Now, if I was to talk to your 11-year-old, because I don't know that your six-month-old would have a lot to say yet, how would your daughter describe you as a dad? Oh, now we're, it's in between the hope and what she would say. I think that she would say, she would kind of jokingly say, well, he's sometimes both. hangry. But I think on the other side, I think that she would express in more words that I had her back. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? My daughters, definitely my wife, but on a larger context, I see a lot of people, myself included, that didn't have a great experience with their parents. I see a lot of hurt people through the generations, and there's a lot of data. There's a lot of data out there that shows fatherless households. There's 10 million fatherless households in the United States. And the consequences of that, and I think about that number, 10 million, I think about that number, and that inspires me to be a better dad. You've given a lot of pieces of advice today, things for every dad to think about and to really process for themselves. In finishing up today, what's one other piece of advice that you'd want to give to every dad? All you've got to do and all that you can do and the privilege of this role of fatherhood is accepting yourself and giving your best every single day. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that, for being here, for sharing your voice and your own journey as a father. If people want to reach out to you and find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? Feel Good Fatherhood. You can also do a search. If you want to reach out to me or connect, LinkedIn, Jay Twining at LinkedIn. That's the next best place. Um, I'm always open to connections, always open to a conversation. You can check out some of the posts or shoot me a DM. Those are the two places to engage with me and start what I hope is a either a new acquaintanceship or a new friendship and have a great conversation. Well, Jay, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here and I wish you all the best. Thank you, Chris. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, 
all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be